everyone, it's Claire here, events manager for With a Slack Group, and I'm delighted to welcome you to the latest episode of Sensational, a special educational needs podcast. Our podcast is all about celebrating neurodiversity, strengthening our children's superpowers, and empowering parents, carers, and professionals with knowledge, advice, and support. I hope everybody finds today's episode not only useful, but enjoyable as well. And so after the relative isolation that the pandemic has brought to us, it suddenly feels like our lives have have never been busier in in a way. Um, And it's amazing that schools and children are finally able to to get back to the normal business of, you know, a sports day or a World Book day. And we're able to see family, friends and socialise and so on. However, um, keeping on top of it all certainly does test our organisational skills as adults and sometimes our patients as well. And so when we look at how difficult it is for us adults to keep on top of things, it's really important to look at the hurdles that our neurodiverse children face in their day to day when it comes to keeping themselves organised and planning and, of course, staying calm when it doesn't all go to plan. So for today's podcast, we'll be focusing our attention on ADHD and the building blocks to being organised and staying calm. And so I'm pleased to welcome today's expert speaker, and that is Tracy Bowyer, Virtual School Coordinator for the ADHD Foundation Neurodiversity Charity. So welcome to the podcast, Tracy. Um, So to begin with, would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself and your work? Yeah, so uh, my role within the ADHD Foundation is um, virtual school coordinator, which means that I support carers and parents of neurodiverse children. So um, we do assessments to see whether they might need sort sort of QB tests, any additional support that we might be able to provide day to day. Okay, fantastic. Okay, so we'll get started on our questions now. Um, So can you tell us a little bit about why being organised can be difficult for children and young people with ADHD? Well, I think being organised and time management in general can be difficult for any children, but especially for those with ADHD. Um, And what we find is it's often due to difficulties with the development of executive functioning skills. So executive functioning skills are basically the brain's way of regulating our thinking, our feelings and behaviour to complete a goal or a task. So it's basically the brain's self-management system. It helps us to be able to plan, organise and manage any tasks that we need to do every day. So what we find is um, for some of our young people, they might have difficulties with some of these skills and it could be a whole host of things, really. So it can be uh, with planning and prioritising, for example. Um, so just being able to um, set a priority, you know, being able to get materials organised to be able to do a task, um, being able to distinguish between information that's relevant and not relevant as well, anticipating events and planning for the future as well. Yeah. So things like that. Um, and organisation in general, you know, just being able to get your things together to be able to, to do a task, mm-hmm. or organising your personal space as well, you know, your your desk, your locker, your bag, all those types of things, your bedroom. When you list them like that, there's so many things for them to like keep on top of as well, isn't there, you know? Yeah, and we don't really think about it. So we just we just kind of think it's just part and parcel of everyday life but when we actually break executive functioning skills down there's so much to it and so many demands on our young people um 
And then if you think about, so with all those things, actually just being able to start the task. So being able to think, okay, I need to stop what I'm doing now and start a new task as well, you know. Uh, So it can be really, really difficult. Um, And then on top of that, you know, a lot of our young people have difficulties with their working memory. Um, So that can be like holding information in the mind while they're using it. So, for example, if you give someone directions, remembering those directions, um, recalling facts. So if someone asks you something, you know, being able to access that part of your memory but hold the request in your mind in the first instance to be able to recall that information. And um, so that involves using your working memory while you're accessing your long term memory as well. You realize everything that's going on, do you? Well, you like trying to you just like go through things and everything. But you don't realize everything when you put it like that. You have to hold that thought and everything. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then that impacts on obviously, you know, being able to maintain att- attention mm-hmm. Um manage what you're supposed to be focusing on without being distracted as well um and distractions not necessarily so yes we do know that you know for some of our young people they may struggle with physical distractions but as well their own thoughts you know their own thoughts can be a distraction in itself as well so just because we're not seeing them um glancing around the room and off to do other things we often see some young people yeah, whirling around in the head sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then on top of that, there's, you know, a lot more. There's time management skills, being able to plan time effectively, being aware of the passage of time as well, um, just putting off tasks, um, estimating how long to complete the tasks. And it's just, it, it can be, it's endless, really. I was going to say, it seems, it seems endless. You sound like it could just keep keep going. Yeah. Um, so that gives us a little bit of an idea, really, doesn't it, about why it can be so 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 difficult. Um, so so we'll move on now. Um, so I, I mean, I must be, I must message, you know, the other mums that are, have children in my children's school at least once a week, you know, to check that I've got the days right for the kids' PA. Um, because I'm really bad at keeping on top of things like that, and and getting my children to swimming on time after work is always really tricky as well. Um, and and you know, like I was saying before. For, it, it can be difficult at the best times for us adults to, to keep on top of the things that we need to and so what advice can you offer on how we can support our children with when it comes to time management organizational and planning skills i think ultimately preparation is yeah, it's just key. yeah. yeah. And it's hard when we're busy and everything but it's going to make a difference isn't it, it? Yeah. yeah and it really is and i think you know Initially, you know, we may have to do that preparation. But what I would say is we want our young people to be independent as well. So encourage them to think about uh, what are they going to need for, uh, you know, whether that's for their bag for the next day for school, whether that's to complete a task, whether that's to sit and eat an evening meal, practice that preparation as well with them. You know, that can be a really, I would say as well, you know, weekends and holidays can be a great time to really practice those skills um, rather than doing it when you know you're going to be rushed midweek. Um, When you've got that sort of break in the routine sort of thing, it's a bit of time to practice. I would also say as well, when we we are thinking about that preparation and practice, um, 
externalize it for our young people as well so um you know in our minds we have sort of an inner dialogue going on we'll be talking to ourselves and sometimes for our young people they may not necessarily have that or just because we know what we're doing and why we're doing it they may not so it could be you know I'm getting the bag ready for tomorrow so that in the morning but just externalize it have that dialogue what are you doing and why are you doing it um, and then that's just setting a really good example for them to to, to for when they are starting yeah. to think about prepar- preparing things for themselves. That's a, that's a fantastic example of something that you know we could all we can all implement that sort of straight away, can't we? You know, we can all do that. Um, you know, just in our day to day sort of thing. I'll make note of that one for my for my yeah. <laughs> because if we don't think about it, we just do it. And then we expect our young people to be able to just do it. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, you know, that's not always the case. And then when we are expecting them to do things, they may not know why we are the yeah. expectations there. So um, just letting them know that as well. Um, as well, things, yeah, write it down, get it down. Oh, whether oh, it's, like <laughs> it's a list, it's a calendar, it's the calendar in your phone depending on yourself and your young person again practice it whatever's yeah. best for them for younger children it might be that you're using um schedules and routines and visuals to support yeah. that planning and time management and establishing routines for older young people it might be that you're starting to think about setting reminders into their phone um, using vis- sort of diaries or visual planners that they use yeah. at school but again get it written down you know if it's written down then they can refer back to it I always say make a visual um, the beauty of using technology is we can also set reminders we can set them the day before 15 minutes before on you know at the moment yeah, yeah. Brilliant. So again, use timers and, and, and that again can support tracker time. We can use the timers as well. Um, if they have got a task and they need to do it within a certain amount of time to set that amount of time as well. Mm-hmm. What we yeah. find for some young people with ADHD, um, sometimes they do actually work better under pressure if they've got a you know they've got a time limit to do something yeah, yeah um so if that's the case for your young person then setting that time is going to be supportive um but it can also help with young people who just don't understand how you know the passage of time it uh, yeah. sort of it's just gone it's in an instant when they're trying to sort of get their head around time I know we've been doing it with one of our girls and it, like when I'm trying to explain it myself and I understand it it's it's tricky concept it really is it is because it's so abstract and so yeah. externalizing let's make it visual and then that supports their understanding of it as well and then I think as well it's definitely about you know thinking about how much we're expecting our young people to do at once. Can we break those tasks down? Can we chunk them? And even things like, you know, we'll say, tidy your room, you know, and it's huge. Yeah. So can it be, okay, put all your washing in the laundry basket? the first yeah. task then you know can you put all your books on the shelf can you put all your shoes yeah, in the cupboard layering it up absolutely yeah um and what I always say as well I 
you know, a lot of our, our young people with ADHD respond really well to rewards and motivating activities. Um, so can we um, have a task followed by um, some sort of motivating activity in between as well? And um, just keep them on track. And again, use your timer so that you know how long that they've got for each stage. And then, you know, it's likely to be more effective than saying, go in and tidy your room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, already there's like, thank thank you so much, Tracy, because there's so much information and support that you provide in here. So I really do. It's fantastic to have you on the, on the podcast today. Um, so, so we'll move on now. So can you provide an example of when you've worked with a child um, and give us an idea of what they were specifically struggling with, what support tools were put in place and how they use them tools to help them manage things a little better? Okay, so endless examples, really, I suppose. But um, I always try and think of, of situations that happen frequently when people ask me for examples yeah. of things. Um, so, uh, you know, there's a number of young people, but one young person in particular who was really anxious of a morning, um, mm-hmm. really distressed when leaving home and arriving at school. Um, what was happening was uh, mornings were quite rushed. Um, yeah. Parents had other children to get ready. Um, but then as well, being told, you know, you haven't brushed your hair yet. You haven't cleaned your teeth yet. Go and do this. Go and do this. So that was sort of how the morning sort of started um, parents, mum found it particularly stressful trying yeah. to coordinate everything. Then when the young person got to school, um, they were met at the door by a different member of staff every day, um, which wasn't good for this young person. They liked, they liked this transitions to be um, very structured and routine. Yeah. Um, and then as well, um, if there was going to be any changes, there was quite often no preparation given. So it could be that it's been the same person all weekend, then on the Friday, someone else to change and there would be no preparation. So then that could just sort of um, disrupt his day for the rest of the day. Um, also found it really difficult to maintain attention and keep up in class, was being frequently told off and not listening, not doing work, not keeping still, etc. So when we unpicked it a little bit, um, there was things that we could support for at home and in school. So we looked at you introducing for him a visual checklist. So this young man, he just had a little list of what he needs to do in the morning. It was laminated. He had a whiteboard pen and he would just tick off what he needed to do. Now, initially, he did need prompt and he did need to be sort of told, go look at your checklist. What's up next on your checklist? But as that became part of his routine and established, then you know he was able to, with very little prompting, get himself yeah. organised and ready. Okay. Yeah. It was also um, with mum, again, talking about that preparation the night before, all the bags done, all the clothes yeah. out. Yeah. But as well to promote independence, thinking about in the holidays and at weekends when there was less pressure, doing what I talked about before about all that practice yeah. in terms of um, being able to do that for himself. And then in school, um, they arranged for the same member of staff to meet him every morning. But if that was going to change, then they would just send mum a text so, so she, she could let him know on the yeah. way to school. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And it wasn't great because he, but he was prepared for the change. Yeah. Which all worn into the right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then we talked about, you know, so in class, it was his understanding of what was happening next. So a visual timetable was, there was a visual timetable in, in the class, but it wasn't being utilised properly. So that they, they just made sure that they started to utilise it more effectively. And he got his own visual timeline on on his desk where he could take his little Velcro um, pieces off every time he's a, yeah. a, a task has entered as well. Mm-hmm. So that just supported him. And then as well, what we discovered was in terms of him being able to pay attention, you know, he was sat with other pupils either side of him. He was in close proximity to a door, which was frequently left open. People going past, coming in, um, sat in a position where he couldn't really see the the whiteboards very well. Um, So again, we just looked at where he was sitting so he wasn't sat by windows, doors, he has one peer next to him. And that just supports his, his ability to focus. Yeah, to focus and concentrate. Yeah. Brilliant. Okay. Oh, well, thanks. Thanks so much for sharing that example um, with us. Some great um, information there for home, for home and for school as well. Um, so moving on now, um, what about um, support strategies? You know, when we're out and about in the community, have you got any suggestions for, for what we could do here? Yeah. So again, um, you know, the community is variable, isn't it, about what can happen? And usually anything does happen. <laughs> yeah. So again, I would be providing those external cues, that narrative, what you're doing, why you're doing it, how long you're going to be doing yeah. it, preparing them for, for what's going to happen through the day as well and um, again you know um, the evening before if there's a planned activity so swimming for example again what do they need ideal opportunity to practice all that stuff again you know what do you need what do you think you need to put in your bag um then thinking about you know it may be that you're taking them to swimming but as well thinking about independence you know um do they know the route? Can they, have they got money management skills as well? That can be quite a big thing as well. For the, so how do they manage cash? Do they, are they able to budget, for example? Yeah. Are they able to plan for their activities? Do they know how much money they'll have, they have for the weekend? Do they need to plan that accordingly for each day? Things like that as well. Um, I think as well what we need to be really conscious of, um, not just in the community in general, but definitely in the community, is sensory differences as well. So if we are going somewhere, sensory differences can definitely be a challenge for some of our young people. So what I would be thinking about is the environment that we're going to as well. You know, can we go to places at quieter times if need be? Can we go and visit them in advance? Can we show pictures of them? Tell them what to expect when they get there. If they are struggling, what is going to be the backup plan? What is the the exit plan if need be? Is there any strategies we can give them to um, be able to manage? So if you know that, you know, it's, it's unavoidable, Unfortunately, you've just got to go into the supermarket and it's a Saturday and it's not the ideal day. You would never yeah. normally pick it. What yeah. can you do to support them? Um, so it could be that um, before they go, you know, they've got some common um, activities. So things like chewy snacks can be common, sports bottle drinks, something weighted across the legs. You know, um, not everyone has weighted lap pads, but, you know, can have you got anything that you can just sort of 
yeah. just across the legs. Um, something that they find comforting, maybe uh, something tactile, uh, an activity that they find calming. Uh, it could be something on the iPad, music through the headphones as well. Um, just load up on on a number of tools. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just to try Again. and get through that planning and preparation and things like that doesn't it you know yeah I mean I've got a, a neurodiverse family and uh, my car is like everything's in there permanently with you know yeah yeah just in case because um every day is unpredictable we yeah. You know, yeah so yeah so okay well moving on now um, so this next question is one of the reasons why we decided to look into doing a podcast that focused on this topic, um, as it was something that parents said their children really struggled with, um, and that is getting ready and preparing for the day ahead. We've we've touched on it already a little bit, um, but parents have mentioned that sometimes their child gets so distressed in the morning, just trying to get everything together that, you know, that they've left the house and they're in a wobble, and that's before they've even made it to school. Um, so it's a hard start to the day for both the child and in turn the parents. Um, so you've touched on some strategies already, actually, but any other strategies that you know we could we could offer here? Yeah, I think um, my main strategy um, is something that I definitely do every day is I try and start my mornings as calmly as possible. Yeah, yeah, you know, so. Sometimes, though, I know myself trying to get get ready for work, get everybody ready for school. It can be really hard, but yeah, definitely. If I've been calmer in the morning, it's just set set for a better day. Really, and I think this is the thing as well. So you know, I think modelling things for our young people is really important as well. Just the same as it is with talking them through tasks. So if we think about if we are running around chaotically of a morning, then we are modelling. This is how we get ready of a morning and um, so it always comes back again to you know just being prepared if do as much as you can um, so quite often I say the night before but for me I'm I'm a morning person I get up an hour before everyone else needs to be up it depends on you as an individual so I'm up an hour before I have all the bags ready all the lunches ready and get myself organized you've got to do what fits in with you and your family so whether it's the yeah. evening before or the or that morning you know the clothes are laid out um make sure the irons and you know there's nothing worse than getting the clothes out and they need iron and um but build it into your routine make it your routine and then initially these things you know it's sound it, it is exhausting it can be exhausting but actually what happens is when they become your routine you're doing them without thinking about them it's like having yeah. some way where you always put your car keys you know you just do it automatically yeah. yeah and that's what we want so we want it to be just part and parcel of everyday life and then it stops being difficult it's you know mm. so it is about being consistent again when we're thinking about mornings and um, how are you young people waking up are you sort of opening the curtains come on time to get up we're going to be later you know can each one's different there as well sometimes yes. each one's different I've got two girls that share a room one of them is just like springs out of bed like yep ready to go one of them needs about 20 minutes to sort of get going it's like still rubbing That's the sleep true. away from their eyes you know and it's like anything, it's really individual. So, you know, for those that do need a bit a bit longer, you know, can we just give them that nudge 
let them wake up gradually. But then we know that we need to be up 20 minutes. We need to be waking them up 20 minutes yeah, yeah, yeah. to do yeah. that. You know, can they have, so my little girl have a calm and music on, for example, the sports bottle drink comes out. Because if you think about a baby sucking a bottle, a sports bottle drink, the smaller the hole, the better. It's nice and calm and as well. Um, if they can have a chewy breakfast, great prompts and countdown so i never just say come on do this it's five minutes then this yeah yeah so can we can we introduce things like that as well just so that we're not springing we're not expecting those transitions to happen you know straight away yeah, yeah. um and it can be difficult it really can and i know because i live it but um yeah. if you be consistent so for me for example what used to be a two-hour routine with me and my little girl is now 15 minutes because we've and she trusts the schedule she's trusted the routine and she knows exactly what's happening yeah yeah and I suppose the other thing as well is to not be I suppose a bit disheartened for the day you know you could do all this planning and preparation and there'll be some days that it doesn't it you know it still might not work out and it's accepting I guess and moving on and just keep trying and keep being positive about it um yeah, I'm finding out what works for for your family because what works for me, what works for you, isn't necessarily exactly. going to, yeah. you know. A trial, and, yeah. And a definitely, it is, yeah. And I would say if you're going to introduce something new, try and do it, you know, during holidays or something. One of my key things as well is, you know, don't let that routine go in the holidays. Um, during COVID, I maintained our routine even yeah. when, because I knew how difficult it would be to get back into it. It's so easy to just sort of think, oh, it's the holidays. We don't, you know, we can relax a little bit. You're, you're just gonna, you can make it more difficult for yourself. Obviously, you know, again, it's individual. But if you think yeah. that that's going to create more challenges, then maintain it as well. Weekends, holidays, um, rather than having to sort of go back to it back to the start again yeah no it makes sense okay so so another big one for schools and parents you know we often hear about it um it's homework uh, it's it's a really popular question on the webinars that we do and you know it's how can we support children with their homework some parents have said um the struggle is actually getting them to do it others have said that it's the organizing around it um you know when it needs to be in for but then others have also said it's it's you know, they've done it and then they just keep forgetting to hand it in. Um, so what's your advice here and how can we as parents and carers help our children? I think with struggling to get them to do it, um, you know, ideally, can we have a conversation with school? Can there be a, is, you know, is homework club available? Um, yeah. Can they do and um, have time to to do homework in school? But it should never, ever replace breaks you know yeah very important. It becomes like a- yeah and then doesn't it yeah thing. so one of the schools I go into um they have um it's it's a choice they have various clubs and one of the clubs that young people can choose to go to for part of their lunch is homework club but it's a right. choice yeah so mm-hmm. at, there's a young man that I I support who goes he chooses to go in and do because for him schoolwork schoolwork and home's home and actually he would prefer when you think about it it makes sense doesn't it yeah absolutely um in terms of if it's got to be done at home you know um can we again it's about embedding it into that routine can we um 
externalize it so you know this is how long you're going to do this task for then you're going to do a motivating task but before you even sit them down to do the homework we need to be thinking about the environment where are you expecting them to do it is it in the kitchen where there's a lot of people coming and going you know the wash machines on the fridges buzzing the dogs barking yeah. so you know what's the environment is it free from distractions is it organized do they know where everything is? Have they got everything they need? And um, because that in itself, if we think about all those executive functioning difficulties that they may have, um, yeah. before they even sit down to do the homework, is it any wonder they don't want to do the homework, really? Um, all that around them, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Um, sometimes deadlines can help for so for those young people who pref- you know with a bit of pressure they're more likely to do it you know can we give them the deadlines um but certainly you know again plan and preparation if it's a big piece of work can we break it down to do you know certain nights we're going to do certain things as well and just using those chunking skills really and those planning skills Okay. Um, And so when we look at things like homework and school and things like that, another thing to take into consideration is the school's response, you know, to a child being organised or or disorganised, as as the case may be. You know, I've heard lots of various scenarios from how schools are are really supportive and understanding when it comes to the difficulties a child may face. And sadly, you know, I do hear about when schools are less supportive as well. So how can parents work on the relationship with the school um, to help them develop a greater understanding of, of a child, you know, in order to meet their, to meet their needs? Um, and have you got any sort of real life examples you can share as well? Um, it can be really frustrating when, yeah. you know, a school you know, isn't sort of taken your concerns and quite often what we hear is well you know that's not how they present in school and you may be seeing something different but um, I get that quite a lot and I think it's about um, you know it's staying calm asking for that meeting explain going prepared going explaining everything that you're seeing at home the other the strength your strengths of your young person what works really well for them um, yeah. what's working really well at home because that's important as well because uh, it could be that those strengths are not being utilized in school so I think we need to quite often we focus on what isn't working but actually what is working um, and yeah. I know a lot of families during COVID found strategies when they were supporting with with homeschooling that worked really well I think so that's been a you know a really good way of saying look when when we were at home doing this this worked really well but go in prepared because you will forget you know jot everything down um, explain and just see it's you know can you set some goals and um some targets that that you you can support can be put in place to support your young person um we we need to keep those you know whether we're communicating sort of face to face or by email it's stay calm stay um you know we want to be professional we want to be we want to advocate appropriately but be firm be firm as well you know say that these are my young person's challenges this Mm -hmm. will help can we implement it as well so you know ask for that meeting whether it be with the senko or the class teacher um, and don't be fobbed off you know, clarify everything in an email so you've got that paper trail as, as yeah. well. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm fortunate, really, you know, the nature of my job. I work with some 
fantastic schools you know I really do um, and what I find is um, the most successful schools are usually those schools who approach support from a, a, like a whole school approach Right. You know, so yeah. it's not necessarily because, again, I, I've sort of been in some schools where this class does it this way, but this class does it that way. And when, and when they transition, there's difficulties. So, you know, can schools um, adopt that whole school approach? Do they include um, timetables across the board for every child? Yeah. You know, do they include movement breaks? for every child do they um think movement then brain before asking to do to do a task um is there access to century safe provision um is there opportunities to, to to break tasks down to support those that need it but that whole school approach can just be so helpful and then for those that need that little bit more individualized support yeah. it's not such a big a, a big step you know and they're not standing up because boards also the board yeah. yeah and I yeah. definitely think and even the environment you know um is it is it um low stimulus is it uncluttered is it labeled so that they know yeah. where everything is and um, is there some sentry tools available so therabands on chair legs for those young people that need them um different types of seating can they stand while they're working um, those types of strategies to support young people um, and as well education is everything so I would direct any staff I mean um, ourselves and with a slack put amazing uh, resources on for professionals as well so you know access information resources and training and uh, to be able to understand the needs of our young people yeah yeah Absolutely. Really, really sound advice there. Um, and so we're coming to close, like to the end of our podcast now. We've got two more questions left. Um, and when we're moving on to the next question, I liked we were doing some prep via email um, in the build up to to the podcast. And on the next one, Tracy said best laid plans, um, which sort of nails it really so there are likely to be occasions when supporting children and young people where they do become distressed isn't there you know yeah. they're struggling to find their calm so yeah. what can we do here in that moment to help them absolutely and no matter what we do unfortunately you know it, it these It'd things yeah and in the ideal world we will see those signs and triggers but you know not not necessarily we, that might not be obvious and I think what we need to do is the main thing is um, keep our young people safe that's ultimately yeah. what the priority you know are they safe is everybody else safe and you know um but if if we can support them if we can again practice when they're a bit calmer so that when they do become dysregulated things like breathing techniques so you can use the hand breathing where you breathe in as you go up, up your thumb out as you go down and do the same for each finger um or, you know, the, the box breathing. So as you go down each side, in as you're going up and across, as you out as you're going across, smell the flower, blow the candle out, those types of things that, you know, yeah. practice breathing techniques, mindfulness techniques as well. So um, if we think about um, can they, uh, this worked quite well with some of the young people I've worked, practiced again beforehand and when, then in the moment it's, can you tell me five things you can see? So we're, yeah. we're getting them to start, you know, can you tell me four things you can touch? Can you tell me three things you can hear? Two things you can smell, one thing you can taste, and just to try and bring them back, ground them. 
That's I've not I've not heard that one before, but I that is fantastic. That yeah. yeah, yeah, and I just think again, it's like you know, don't rely on it just in the moment. These are things practice beforehand. Yeah. Um, can you have access to things that may work for your young person? So not everything will work for every young person, but for some young people, things like weighted items can help. So weighted blankets, lap pads teddies or toys um body warmers backpacks can can we have them available um resistive type fidgets or even blue tack for example can quite often help um anything that's got sort of gentle rocking rocking or rhythmic type type activities listening to calm and music and again it's just about having that toolkit there um for your young person you know to help them and I think what I always say is um, and I've seen it many a time in in a school um, when they are calming down that is not the time to talk about what's happened and why they felt like that as well so what we want to do is um, it might even be the next day but then we we talk about it and what would have helped that young person what do they think um, would have prevented it in the first place or helped them calm down um, just to stop them sort of getting to uh, the top of that um, that curve really yeah yeah okay really really good advice there so our last sort of point or question for the day is it is so our, the title for the podcast is the building blocks for being organized and staying calm. And so as we close the session, it would be great if we could finish with you telling us your top five building blocks when it comes to this topic. So when I was thinking about this, I've changed it <laughs> so many times. I've cheated a little bit. Um, so planning has to be there, you know, what yeah. that plan has, it just has to be. And then uh, straight after that is the preparation. Plan and preparation have got to be the two key parts. Um, modeling and practicing as well, you know, whether that be in preparation for when it goes wrong or just to externalize what it is you're doing. Uh, but yeah, yeah definitely modeling. Um, establishing routines and being consistent, definitely. Um, and my final favourite is, or oh, you know, try and have a toolkit to support yeah. regulation. Try and have that, um, just things that your your young person's go to pieces of kit yeah. that just will bring help. Down to baseline again. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, that was that was fantastic. Really was. There's so much advice jam packed in there. And all I need to do is listen to it once a week and I'll know where I am for being organized for my week ahead. Um, so, so that just about brings us to the end of today's podcast. Um, so I'd like to say a massive thank you um, to you, Tracy, for your time today. A really, really brilliant session. Um, and also thank you to our listeners for joining us. If you've enjoyed listening today, you might want to check out the other resources we have on the With the Slack Group website, where we have a wide range of support materials covering a range of needs, including ADHD, autism, mental health, um, and also things like the education, health and care plans as well. Um, so for more information, please do visit the website. It's with a slack group.co.uk forward slash resources. Um, so thanks again to Tracy. Thanks, thanks. for listening. Um, Thank and you I'll for having me. On another episode in the future.